We're going to get right into Samson this morning. Uh, we just left the, the, the uh, sermon series called This Is Us. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you gathered some things from that to pertain to your life. I know that I did, even while studying it, studying it and presenting it to you. But this morning, I believe that as we're going into uh, this new sermon series called Samson, that God is strategically taking us as a church. I need you to understand this. I, I stand here this morning with a heavy heart. I stand here this morning with a spirit that is, is longing for God to build us as a church and to build us as individuals that could be complete, sold-out followers of him. Putting all distraction, putting all other efforts, putting all other agendas aside, that we focus on the will of God. I believe that over the next four weeks, we are going to get into something so supernatural that as us, as followers of Christ, that there is, a, there is a potential, and I'm not even going to say potential because potential is a word that says that there's a, a chance that it could not happen. But I'm believing that through this series, and especially after today's message, that there is a greatness that's going to come about in your spiritual walk with God. I'm believing that God is going to take us to a level of which we have been desiring for, that we've been seeking after, and God is going to say, it's as if he's just going to lay it right in your lap and say, here it is. I believe that we're going to make a commitment in the next four weeks to be in God's presence and, and, and allowing the word to become real in our lives. The allowing the word of God to, to just jump out from pages or from the screen or from whatever device you use. I believe it's going to leap out into your spirit. You're going to see things. God's going to give you a revelation not only in your own personal life, but he's also going to give you a revelation with us as a church in the direction that he is going to lead us and take us to. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. I'm going to start there this morning. The word of God says this. I looked for a man among them who built up the wall and stand before me in the gap. <clears throat> in the gap on behalf of the land. So I would ha not have to do what? To destroy it. I looked for such a man. I believe with us this morning that God is looking at us and he's presenting a word to us saying, I am looking for a people. I am looking for individuals. I am looking for a group. I am looking for a church who is willing to stand in the gap. As we read further into that scripture, it goes, I look for a man, I look for such a man, but the scripture says this, but I found none. Zero. Nothing. Not one. God was saying, look, I'm looking for integrity, I'm, I'm looking for courage, and I'm looking for a people who will stand up for those who, who cannot even stand up for themselves. I'm looking for someone who would lay down their life to serve the bride of Christ. I believe God is saying, I'm looking for individuals who would gird themselves. I'm looking for individuals who will clothe themselves in my armor. I'm looking for individuals who would take on the bride of Christ. 
I'm looking for individuals who is willing to carry the gospel and carrying the message of Jesus Christ to not only the generation that we're in, but God is saying, I'm looking for people who are willing to carry the gospel to the next generation and to those who are outside of the realm of Christ. I believe that God is specifically speaking to us and saying this, that we are equipped with power. We are equipped with authority. And that it is up to us as individuals to understand and, and have a, a, a clear line between the truth and what is not the truth. To, ha- to understand that we are going to go into the will of God versus the will of man. To understand that we're going to step out and maybe into the discomfort because of the unknown rather than stepping and staying in the comfort, which is going to be a failure. I believe God is trying to get our attention and bring a challenge so great to us that if we would step into the realm of God, if we would step into his word and into his presence, if we would come to him daily in our prayer time saying, Father, search my heart, God. May I be pure in your eyes. If there is anything about me, Father, that is not of the will of the Lord, then take it out of my life. I believe that that's what God is saying to us today. I'm looking for these individuals. So if God is looking for these people, would he find it here? If God is looking for such individuals, will he find it in this house this morning? I believe so. I believe that we are a church who is going after the will of God. I believe that we are a church who is going after the vision of God. I believe that we are a church and a body of Christ and the bride of Christ who is willing to step into the unknown knowing that the unknown is controlled by the Heavenly Father. I believe that we are going to step out and we are going to see greatness. I believe that we're going to step out and we're going to see the hand of God move and direct us in manners and in ways and places and circumstances that maybe we never thought that we would ever be in, but God's hand is going to move in this house. I believe with all my heart that if God were to look for people just as this, he would find them here. Years ago, there was a guy named Henry Varley, and he was having a conversation with a name that you will, most, most of you will, will be familiar with, and that is D.L. Moody. And Varley said this to Moody. He said, who would become one of the greatest evangelists of modern times? He said to Moody, the world has yet to see what God can do through one man whose heart is totally surrendered unto him. I want to repeat this quote for you one more time. This man said to D.L. To, to Moody, who became one of the most renowned evangelists of all time, the world has yet to see what God can do through one man whose heart is totally surrendered unto him. Moody's response, I will be that man. If God is looking for people of integrity and honor and courage and faithfulness, I will be such a man. The challenge that's being laid before us today, are we willing to be a people of integrity, of honor, and of courage? Are we willing to be people who will step out faithfully in the relationship with God? 
Today we're going to look into Judges chapter 13. We're going to develop a foundational understanding here as we get into this sermon series of Samson. We're going to first of all look at the accomplishments of, of him. He was legendary. I mean, we, have, we, we know of great feats that he did. We know of the great strength that he had. We also know of the great weaknesses. Samson has so much God-given potential, yet again and again he made bad decisions that brought self-destruction. Does that not sound familiar for maybe your own personal life? We know that we have God-given potential, but yet many times we self-destruct. Many times we allow our plan and our agenda, our desire and our want to overthrow the direction that God may be leading us or wanting us to go into. Maybe we don't like the discomfort of the unknown and we're satisfied with the comfort that we're currently in, but understanding you will never grow if you never step out and say, Lord, challenge me. Every time we step out of our comfort zone, we are accepting another challenge from God. You grow in your challenges. You don't grow where you're comfortable. Can someone say amen to that? So much potential for righteousness and kingdom movement. And yet again and again and again and again, we read throughout Scripture. You know the stories of Samson. Again and again and again, he made poor decisions. Samson, if I had to sum him up in one statement, was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. Just like many of us. Strong with tremendous spiritual potential, but at the same time, exercising a weak will. The Israelites had been unfaithful to God, so God put them under the rule of the Philistines, their enemies. For years, God said, finally, you've learned your lesson, and I'm going to rise up a man. I'm going to rise up Samson, who will help start to deliver you from the bondage that you're in with the Philistines. God, from the beginning of Samson's life, his hand was on him. The Spirit of the Lord stirred within him, and God came upon him in supernatural manners and supernatural ways. If you look at Judges 13, you can read through those scriptures of how everything began with Samson. Uh, you know, his, his mother was, was not allow, able to, 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 to produce children, and uh, the angel of the Lord came to her and said, I'm, I'm going to give this, this baby to you. You're going to name him Samson. And and, and, and she went back to tell her husband, and, and you know, the story goes on that, that she went out again, and the Spirit of the Lord came and visited her again and began to explain to her again what he was going to do. And she said, stay right there. I want to go get my husband. Goes back, gets him. And the Spirit of the Lord goes on to say, but you know what you have to do is you have to raise him within the Nazarite vow. Numbers chapter 6, if you want to, not right now, but at another time, you can look further into what the Nazarite vow really means and what it consists of, but I'll kind of give you a little bit of a background with it. It's essentially where a non-priest or an ordinary person could make a vow to God in order to use and receive the glory of God in their life. By saying, I'm living by these vows, I'm devoting my life to serve God. These vows consisted of uh, three things that we're going to look at right quick. One, don't get drunk. <laughs> don't get drunk. Second thing, don't touch anything dead, anything unclean. 
Don't touch it. And the third thing, don't get your hair cut. Pretty simple. I failed that one constantly. The others I'm pretty good with. Number one, I'm excellent with. Samson, some of you will get that later. All right, it's cool. Samson had this long hair. You may be seeing, what's up with his hair? Understand this. We, I lost you. I mean, I just, that's it. It's, Samson had this long hair, and, you know, we, we think to ourselves, you know, what's the point of the long hair? I don't get the whole long hair thing. I mean, what's, why does that have to be such, why is there so much importance with the long hair? You know what I mean? I, it just, I don't get it. But, you know, we have baptism today, and what does baptism represent? It represents that we're separating ourselves from the world. We're becoming a new creation in God. The old man is dead, the new man rises up. Well, it's kind of the same thing, if you put it into terms. That's what the long hair represents. It represents that he is set apart. He is set apart. He is what? Different. What does that define, by the way? Holiness. Which is also what in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 6? The will of God for your life. The hair also represents, it's just like a... um, For instance, with myself, I have a wedding ring. That means I'm committed to my beautiful wife, Andrea, who I have no stories to tell on today. (laughs) Only because she's sitting right there. I'm just kidding. Right? It's a commitment. That's what the long hair represents in that moment. It represents a commitment. You know, we we understand that the the great feats with with Samson, he, you know, he, he ripped lions apart with bare hands. He you know, killed thousands of Philistines. He, he, he did so many great things. He was so strong, but yet we also know his weaknesses of, you know, how he was, uh, he gave up his secret. And, and you know, we, we understand that, that he did things that weren't pleasing to God. You know, we understand he, he, he killed, you know, people when he wasn't supposed to kill people. Um, he, you know, he gave up secrets that he wasn't supposed to give up. But yet God, in some weird way, continue to come around him and work in this man. That gives me hope in my life. That, gives me, that should give you hope in your life. That if God continued to use Samson in his life, even with the distractions that he allowed to come into his life, God can still use us as well, can he? Regardless of our failures and our mistakes, God can look at us and say, I can still use you. See, one of the greatest lies we tell ourselves is, I've done so much wrong. I have done so many wrong things. I've had such a bad attitude. Surely God can't use me. Surely God can't forgive me. But that's not so. Samson had so much potential for greatness, and yet again and again he would squander the potential with, you know, I hate to say it this way, but stupid living. Samson's life shows us three specific attitudes That makes strong people weak. The number one is this. The spirit of lust. Now many of you are going to instantly go to the sexual thing. And that's true. Okay? He had a spirit of that. But lust goes into so many other things. It goes into so much more. Many of you lust clothing. Ladies, you lust lust shoes. You know what? Forget the ladies. Guys, you lust shoes too. All right? I've seen some of you. You know? A boat. What does lust mean? It means you want it. You desire it. You have to what? Have it. 
It's something that you gravitate to. It's something that you want. And you're willing to look far and beyond regardless of, of, of you know, the outcome potentially could be you need it. You want it. You're going after it. You know, if we thought in our lives, what are those things that we lust after? What are those things that we're, we're pursuing? What are those things that I have to have it and I'm going to get it? What happens when a person who wants something, who slips in a pattern of lust and forgets all logic? It may be that he wants someone of the opposite sex or, or the sexual thrill. It could be that they want advancement in careers. They want more money. They want to conquer things. Judges chapter 14, verses 1 through 2. We see here this moment with Samson. It says, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. Now, I'm going I'm to put in quotation marks there. She had to be hot. Let's just be real. She had to be hot. She had to be attractive. All right? He went down to Timnah and saw this chick. And he returned home, and he said to his dad and his mom, first, that's weird. I just think that's weird by itself. He said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman who is hot and in Timnah. Now you need to get her to marry me. We see here in this moment that this is a moment of lust. This is a moment that he's going after. He says that he returned and he said to his mother and father, I need this. I saw it. She's good. I need her in my life. Now, what did he do? The word tells us, as you were to look into it, he said he left Zorah, his hometown. He traveled four miles to Timnah, which was in the enemy territory. He left his friends and went to his enemies. Come on, man. He left his friends to go to his enemies. Went to his enemies and saw this woman who was forbidden because God said this, in, in this day, he says, you should not intermarry with those who do not worship me. At that moment, he looks at her. He forgets of everything else. All he can think of is, I want this. I desire it. I must have it. I don't care. All I care about is I need that. How many times does that get us in trouble in life? Think about it. How many times? Now, okay, now I am going to tell a story. It's good for her, bad for me. You all know I have a minivan, right? And you know I'm not really proud of the minivan. We know that. I told this story like a month ago on a Wednesday night. Those of you who come to Wednesday night Bible study, thank you for coming. Those of you who don't, you should show up. So we, my wife and I on, I think it was Memorial Day, wasn't it? Yeah, Memorial Day. Of all days, we're sitting home bored. We, we didn't have nothing to do. And we had this great idea, let's go to Salisbury. So we drive up to Salisbury, and we decide, let's go look at a new vehicle. So we go into, you know, we, well, let me back up a little bit. It's actually my fault. Because I woke up that morning bored, and I went through everything that I normally go through. And, uh, you know, the, the office was closed. You know, it was a holiday. We weren't doing anything here. And and uh, I got the bright idea. Let's check out some new vehicles online. Big mistake. Stop. I'm just going to tell you right now. Stop. 
And anyway, so we get, you know, I'm on there and, and I'm like, I wonder if I can spin this off on Andrea, you know? How am I going to do this? She knows I don't like the minivan. I'm not thrilled about the minivan, but that's okay. So we get it, you know, I'm sitting there searching all this stuff out and she comes out and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just checking. Look at this vehicle. This is a nice vehicle. Look, it's got the, the entertainment thing and it's, it's, look, it's not a minivan. It's just not a minivan. And so we, okay, we have nothing to do. Let's drive up to Salisbury and just look. So we drive up to Salisbury with two, with a six-year-old and a three-year-old to go look at vehicles. All I can say is they were godsends for that moment. Thank God we, they, yeah, you'll, you'll know why. So we go and we're looking at them, you know, and, 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 and then we found one that we liked. Spur of the moment, we found one we liked. And I, you know, I, I go into the dealership just to get some information. That was it. I just needed some information. Wrong move is right. I walk in and the salesman's like, hey, how you doing? You know, a big old fake grin on his face and all this stuff. And he's like, man, sit down. We can work some numbers out. I'm like, nah, I got my little guys in the back. No, it'll only take a minute. Just sit down. We can work some numbers out. I'm like, no, I can't do it. He's like, well, what's your email address? I'm going to send you some numbers, you know. I'm like, okay, cool. So I send him my email address. I'm thankful that I have my little guys because if I would have sat there, he probably would have wrapped me up. So we, 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 uh, that, the next day, I get this email from him, and he's got all these figures out. And I looked at it, and I went, oh, my gosh. That, that was a lust moment. That was a want. Reality has just hit me in the face, and this isn't happening. But how many times have we put ourselves in this circumstance before, and we've given in to the pressure, or we give in to the desire, and what usually happens later on after a season we regret it. We look back and what do we say? I shouldn't have done this. An attitude that we can understand with, with Samson was he had one that a spirit of lust upon him. What do we have? We also have a spirit of lust in our lives. The second thing is a spirit of entitlement. Not only do we want things, but we believe this. We deserve it. I work hard. I deserve it. I'm slaving. I deserve it. I put up with him or her. Do not look at them. Do not look at him or her. I deserve it, right? And this is an attitude that Samson took on. He took on an attitude that says, I deserve it. He says, look, the Bible tells us one day he's walking along and a lion jumps at him. So he kills it. No big deal. David killed lions. Let's look at verse 8. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside. Watch this. He turned aside. You need to highlight that. You need to underline that. You need to do whatever you need to do to remember that moment. He turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. The lion that he what? He killed. Now, he says he looked at the lion's carcass, and in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. What is one of the vows that God said he cannot do? He cannot touch anything unclean, anything dead. He does what is probably the nastiest thing he could do. He scooped up the honey with his hands, and he ate it as he went along. Does that not sound disgusting? That's like you're, you're on the causeway, and you, you, you see a, something laying there, and you just go, oh, that looks appetizing. 
Two things, it's nasty. And second thing, he's not supposed to touch it. And what did he do? The same guy that gave him the power to rip apart the lion, he betrays by doing exactly what he wasn't supposed to do. The answer is that people do it every single day. What do we do? We know where we're going. We know the direction that God sends us in. But there's these two words, or there's words that I told you to underline. Looks aside. Oftentimes in life, we turn aside. We take our focus off of the direction that God may be sending us. And we take on some entitlement. We take on entitlement. I deserve a break right now, Lord. I deserve this in my life. I want this. I deserve it. I'm entitled to it. When God says, if it's not in my path for your life, don't turn to it. Stay focused on the direction that I'm trying to send you in. Maybe that's in a relationship that you're in. Maybe, maybe if you know, you're in a relationship that's, you know, I'm... I'm not talking about a marriage here, because I believe the marriage is once it's ordained by God, it's ordained by God. You don't break that covenant. But I believe that many times in life we go through and God's got a plan, God's got a desire, God's got an outcome for our lives. I believe that we as a church, God's got a plan, God's got a desire, God's got an outcome for this church. But so many times along the way, something grabs our attention. And it takes our focus off of the desire that God has for us and the plan that God has for you in your life. And it becomes enticing. Don't think the enemy isn't smart. Don't think that he's not trying to steal and to kill and to destroy your life. Because he's going to send things in your life that are enticing, that's going to try to draw your attention to that versus the attention to what God's plan and God's will is for your life. And we saw that this happened with him. We see see in this moment a moment of weakness for Samson. He turns aside and he takes what did not belong to him. The third thing that we understand from Samson is this, is pride. Whenever it comes to temptation, the third attitude that makes strong people weak is pride. What do we think? We think, oh, I can handle it. I'm strong. I can handle all of this. The three vows that were given to Samson were don't cut your hair, don't get drunk, and don't touch dead things. So what does he do? Verse 10. Now his father went down to see the woman. It's interesting. The dad's going to go down and check her out now. So now his father went down to see the woman. And there Samson held a feast, as was a customary by bridegrooms. The Hebrew word there translated as feast, and I'm going to butcher this all to pieces, and I'll spell it for you. M-I-S-H-T-E-H. Mista, that's what I'm going to call it. It means a feast or a party. We understand what is the first vow that we talked about that God said you cannot do. Get drunk. In other words, you cannot drink anything that is fermented. Samson has pride. He has entitlement. He's got lust. He's carrying some poor attitude baggage right now. He thinks he deserves it all. He has the answers. 
After all, God's going to use him. He's got so much pressure on him. You know, all this stuff. He's turning aside. He's looking at things that are trying to distract him from keeping him on the mark of what God has in store for his life. And so he decides to throw a party. It's not just any party. I mean, he's throwing a big bash. He's getting all of his friends together. And what are they doing? They're drinking it up. We have another moment here for Samson. Another moment. God has given him great potential, just like God has given you great potential to bring glory to him. Yet we think, I'm strong. I want it. I deserve it. I can handle it. This won't trip me up. I'm stronger than this. It could be any number of things in your life, but all of us know people with great potential. You are a person with great potential. And the enemy is trying in every way possible to trip you up as much as he possibly can to distract you from fulfilling the will and the plan and the desire that God has for your life. But I want to proclaim this morning that I believe that we as individuals, when God said, I'm looking for people with courage, I'm looking for people with integrity, I'm looking for people with honor. I believe that in this room this morning is people just as that, who will not turn aside, who will not give in to the lust and the the entitlement and into the pride, but will keep their focus straight on the will and the desire that God has for your life. I believe that we are better than this. I believe That you have the mentality that is strong enough to survive the temptations that are going to be faced in your life. I believe the temptations that you have faced in the past and the struggles that you have gone are only to grow you, to make you stronger. I believe that we are overcomers. You know, maybe we're not strong physically like Samson, but I believe we're strong spiritually. I believe the potential was there. Before long, we understand that Samson, he's drowning in a sea of his desires, like many of us. If we were to fast forward in the end of Samson's life, we would understand what what took place and how he gave up one of his, his greatest secrets or the greatest secret of his strength and how he was then brought into captivity and used as an example He was led in front of his enemies and mocked. Us as Christ followers, I want you to know that there is spiritual greatness with inside of each and every one of you. That the one who resides in you is greater than the one who is tempting you. Let me repeat that. I believe as a Christ follower that the one who resides in you is greater than the one who is tempting you. That with God's power, no matter what you've been into, no matter what you've allowed yourself to become slave to, you can be transformed and you can become different. After all, we know what the will of God is for our life and that is to be holy and that is to be set apart and that is to be different. I believe that we are a people of courage, that we are a people of integrity, that we are a people that are given spiritual strength I believe that you can be a godly husband and a godly wife. 
I believe that you could be a godly friend. I believe that you could be a godly support. I believe that you could be a godly representative of Jesus Christ. After all, the word says that we are ambassadors of him. If we are an ambassador of Christ, that means we are taking on his likeness. That means if you are a Christ follower, you have the likeness of Christ in your life. We are to serve God when people say, I'm weak and I am vulnerable and I need strength and I need his presence. Do you know that God specializes in weak people? We see all throughout scripture where God raised up weak individuals to conquer great things. David, as a little puny shepherd boy, God raised him up to be great. We see Noah, who was a weak individual. God raised him up, what? To be great. To conquer great things. You see in the scriptures where Moses, he had an inability to, to be able to communicate effectively, but God took that inability and still used him mightily and great. We see Paul, you might think, well, he was great before Christ. No, he wasn't. He was nothing before Christ. He might have power in man's eyes, but he had no power in God's eyes. So therefore, God took a weak individual, transformed him, and made him stronger and more powerful. God took a little lonely baby lying in a manger and made him ruler and king over all the earth. Do you not think that God can't take you where you're at right now in your unstable condition, in your imperfect state, and temptations coming at you left and right? Do you not think that God can't use you either? I know that God can. I want to give you three attitudes that we need to take on. The first one is this. I want God. Do you want him? Let that sink in for a second. Do you want him? Do you want the power of God? Do you want the ability to overcome? Do you want the ability to fight the temptation? Do you want the ability that we saw with the disciples as they began to build the, 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 the church? Do you want the ability that we saw, we see through the scriptures where God used regular men and women to do the great and the mighty? Do you want that? We must take on an attitude that we say this, I want God. I need God. I need God's strength. I need his daily power. I need his word living inside of me. I need his strength. I need him to order all of my steps. An attitude that makes weak men strong is this. Not only do I want God, but the second one, I deserve death. We understand the scripture says what the wages of sin is what? Death. So we who are sinners deserve what? Death. Understand this. We must take that attitude on because God doesn't owe us anything. When we realize that we are dead in our transgressions and our sins... But God in his goodness, while we are still sinners, sent Christ to do what? Forgive us. 
I'm not capable of doing anything without God. I can't do anything without God. What's the scripture say? I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't do anything without him, but I can do everything with him. I can't fight the temptation without him. I can't overcome my, 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 my situations without him. My, my marriage can't survive without him. But with him, all things are possible to who? Them that believe. Third thing, the attitude. I can't handle anything without God. I am weak. I am vulnerable. But I am capable of doing anything and everything ungodly without the presence of God. Think about that. You are capable of doing anything ungodly without the presence of God. But with the presence of God, I'm an overcomer. With the presence of God, I am not defeated. With the presence of God, I have victory. With the presence of God, I have a hope. I have a future because God has a plan. Think about that. With God's presence. Some of you, you know, we might, you, you might be weak and, 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 and you might have, you know, asking yourself, how do I get beyond where I'm at? How do I get from where I'm at to where God wants me to be? How do I get there? How do I move forward in this life that I'm, I'm living right now? How do I advance? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord. Know who you are. You may have had those moments of weaknesses. You may have had those moments where it seemed like life was slipping through your fingers and, and you gave in to the temptation. You took on the entitlement of, of lust and the entitlement and, and pride. I think we've all probably been there a time or two in life. But what we have we have attitudes that we can take on. Number one, I want God. When it comes down to it in everything in life, more importantly than anything else is this, I want God. Because without God, I have nothing, but with God, I have everything. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says this, my grace Think about that for a second. My grace. What does that represent? It means forgiveness. That means another opportunity. And then another opportunity. And then another opportunity. My grace is sufficient for you. Because it doesn't run out. It's long standing. It's ever present. For my strength is made perfect in what? Weakness. I want you to stand with me this morning. We see these attitudes that 
Samson demonstrated of lust, entitlement, and pride. Things that caused him to be weak. Things that caused him to to fall. Lust, entitlement, pride. I want it. I deserve it. I need it. I got to have it. Regardless of the outcome, I'll deal with that later. How many of you ever said that before? I'll deal with the outcome later. And then later comes. And what happens? You feel rotten, don't you? You feel unclean. You feel disgusting. You feel unworthy. You feel like you don't belong. You feel empty. You feel forgotten. Lust. I want it. I need it. Entitlement. I deserve it. Pride. Regardless, I'm going after it. These attitudes are attitudes that we've all demonstrated in our life at one time or another. And we don't like the outcome. We don't like what it resolves or or rather what it equals to. We don't like the loneliness and we don't like the shame that it brings upon us. We don't like the filth that we feel about ourselves. But luckily we understand that there's a couple of attitudes that we can take on that can change that. I want God. Regardless of everything, I don't care what it costs me, Lord, I want you. I want you, God. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the God. I want you to be the mighty, the majestic. I want you to be the everything what I turn to in, in everyday life. I want God. And then understanding that we deserve death. The wages of sin is death. We're all sinners. We deserve death. But through the giving of Jesus Christ for our sins, we are promised what? Everlasting life in his kingdom. And then understanding this, I can't handle this life without God. I don't know about you, but I can't. I can't handle this life without God. I'm shocked I got as far as I did without him in the first place. Think about it in your life. I'm shocked that I got as far as I did in life without God in the first place. Because as I look at my life, I go, I can't handle life without you, Lord. I can't handle it. I need you. We should all have that same attitude. God, I need you in my life every day. I can't do this without you. I can't overcome the temptation. I can't overcome the sin. I can't overcome the frustrations. I can't overcome the pressure of this world, Lord, without you. I need you. Now, there's a song, what, I need you, Lord? Yeah. More than what, every day, I need you. More than words can say. That's all I know, all right? But we need him this morning. I need him. You need him. So with that said, here's what I'm going to do tonight, or this morning. If that's you, and you say, Pastor Kevin, I need it. I I need to want God more. I, I need to understand that I deserve death. I need to understand that I can't handle anything without God because I'm tired of lust or entitlement and the pride of my life. I want to ask you to do this for me. Step out where you're at and come down here to the front this morning. We haven't done this in a while. I believe it's necessary right now. If that's you this morning, step out. Don't be bashful. If that's you today and you say, I want more of God in my life. 
I'm challenging you today to step out. I'm challenging you this morning to say, you know what? This is what I need. I need you, God. I need you every day. I need you more. I need you to be the Lord. I need, I understand, Lord, I can't handle this life without you. That's you. I'm asking you, step out. Because I believe that God is wanting to move. I believe that we are a church who's not going to be prideful, who's not going to have entitlement and lust, but yet we're going to be a church that's going to say, I want God. I want God more than anything else. I want God. I realize I can't do this without God. 